211 of the Hop Nation USA podcast, and we're on the road for Spicy Boy Summer Revenge Tour 2021. Yeah, we're doing three weeks in a row so far. It could grow, it could, you know, be less if somebody canceled. Who knows? But we definitely made it to one space. Yes, we did. And this is a space that we've wanted to come to for quite some time, and we are finally here. For sure. So before we get to that, it's me, Steve, and my co host, Adam, as always, is here. Yeah, I am here. Uh, yeah. I drove, so Steve, uh, Steve let me come on, and I'm happy to be here. Yes, the chauffeur gets to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but we are coming to you live from the cool ship room of Trace Brewing, right down in the heart of, are we calling this Bloomfield or Friendship or, you know? Bl- Bloomfield, yeah. Bloomfield, Bloomfield yeah. yeah. It's on the can, man. It, 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 Pittsburgh neighborhoods, they, I don't know, they're a little... <laughs> above themselves they, they <laughs> define certain lines that are just eh, it's not there as long, <laughs> as long as you didn't say something out the lunch like allentown right 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 that's across yeah. the river that's on the other side yeah <laughs> but yes we are trace brewing in the heart of bloomfield and we are joined by the other adam who is making his third appearance on his show and his third job change <laughs> since <laughs> and we'll talk to him a bit and we're also joined by zach colton head brewer here as well hello hello Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. I appreciate you guys. Sure, we love having you on. At the, at the rate you're going, you're just going to be a guest host eventually. <laughs> I, know. I know. It's a little wild that this is... Is this my fourth time on your show? Uh, third Our that third. we know of. Third yeah. that we know of, because you were here for... Uh, you were here when you worked at Porter Brewery Tours, and now you're here for Trace, and you were also here during the pandemic when you were writing for Very Local. Correct, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so, yeah I guess... Yeah, you joined us via Zoom. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for having me back a third time. Uh, yeah, for sure. And for coming to Trace and making it easy for us to all hang out with you today. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you <laughs> make sure that one of us punches your card. Uh, if you get 10 appearances, you get a free T-shirt. <laughs> yes. We'll send you home with a sticker and a T-shirt. <laughs> Thank you. I went on Hot Nation USA 10 times, and God damn it, they still don't pay me. <laughs> <laughs> we got all sorts of back pay coming if that's the case. Well, <laughs> but yes. Uh, if we're a trace, though, that means we're also drinking trace beers. Yes, we are. And with that, we're going to turn it over to Zach to introduce the first beer of the evening and tell us all about it. Tell us about your child. All right. <laughs> um, so this first beer is called Lazy Summer Home. It's a pale ale, 5.9%. I try to go for a different uh, profile than the uh, higher alcohol, hoppy stuff. I like pale ales that are drier, have a little bit more apparent bitterness, a little bit more floral and, and pine forward. And all that's here in this beer. I uh, used uh, Simcoe, Azaka, Amarillo, and Crystal hops in this. You know, there's plenty of, of fruit there, but all of those hops have, well, most of those hops have some amount of uh, pine or floral element to them which I really like in a drier beer. It kind of adds to the, the finish, gives it the more crisp kind of flavor. I really like this one. Um, we, we didn't do cans of this as draft only. It's just kind of like a hot weather, hoppy beer that 
hopefully refreshing and dry. Just taking a look at it, it doesn't necessarily look like a pale ale. That's not a bad thing. We've said it on this show many times. It doesn't really matter. New England pale ale. Yes. There you go. It doesn't really matter what a beer looks like as long as it's not from Martin House. Right. Like that damn slime beer. <laughs> as long as it doesn't look like Jello or Hot Cheetos, you know, you're probably, we'll in, be a, okay. yeah, you're yes. probably in a good place. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I do like the look of it. Uh, and, and I will say with some of the beers from Trace, it, there is definitely a, a hazy vibe going on with a lot of the beers, and I appreciate yeah. that. So, Steve, have you had a chance to drink it yet? I have. Well, um, I, you talk, I drink. Sure. Uh, just a note on the look, though. It does actually look very similar to Pseudo Sue. Yes. And that one's very hazy as well. Yes. But on the flavor, it's a completely different bag. Like you were saying, you said you already called it out. It's piney and it's dry. Yeah. And I get a lot of that. I also get like... Not so much floral, but I get uh, vegetal notes on the, the nose. Like it smells very vegetal and piney to me. Mm. And then tasting it, it's very pine forward, but then it all tapers off and it doesn't leave like a real strong bitter aftertaste. It does not. It, it does have a good clean finish to it. Yeah. And, and on, on a personal note from the podcaster side, that's one of the problems with having the brewer on. They already know everything about the beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he didn't lie to us. He so did not lie to us. <laughs> so, right. yeah, you do get a lot of that Simcoe up front. So, yeah, it, overall really good. And I definitely can see how this would just be, you know, hot weather drinking beer. Yeah. yeah. This is definitely a, this is a grass cutter, but a grass cutter plus. Sure. You know what I mean? I like that. Uh, yeah. This is once you once you uh, put the lawnmower away, find yourself a nice cool spot, crack one of these open. <laughs> you'll be doing all right. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of flavor to it. And it is. You're, you're preparing for something else. Yeah. Like watermelon. I need watermelon with this. Uh, okay. It's a good watermelon beer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think you've ever gone down that route before, but you're not wrong. But it, 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 it's just, it's flavorful and dry. And I think the dryness would be offset very well by like fruit. So like cantaloupe, watermelon. I'll buy that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Those are the fruits I like, though. <laughs> <laughs> the diarrhea fruits. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. Hey, you eat too much. Okay, then. Anyways, <laughs> moving along. This is going to go down a rabbit hole. I don't think any of us want to go down. I'll teach you a lot about fruits and diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we'll get away from the bathroom talk. Thank you. All right. Uh, with that, though, let's get into our guests, Zach and Adam. Let's go back to Adam for a minute. We already mentioned how you've gone through three different careers through the course of our show, <laughs> but we haven't actually been able to talk about like how you came to Trace and you're like the, you're the marketing and hospitality guy here. You know, you, you said at the top of the show, thanks for making it easy for us to get everybody together. I think you do that more than we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> thanks, were, man. you were certainly the straw that stirred the drink. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I ended up here because uh, Dave and I were neighbors. Uh, Dave's our uh, owner, and um, he lives on 46th Street in Lawrenceville. And for about four years, I lived on 45th Street. So we would inevitably drink beers on his porch, hang out. You know, he's also part of the um, crew that owns Remnant in Boston. So he would bring back beers from Boston, and we would crack them open on his porch and just drink them and talk about beer. And at the time, I was a tour guide and a columnist. So I was kind of beer adjacent, but never in the industry. And I told Dave one day, I was like, dude, if there ever comes a day where you open a brewery here in Pittsburgh, just give me a call. Like, let me know. I, I would love to work with you. And that day came in like pretty much middle of 2020 when things got serious and Zach was on board and, you know, they did the build out and then they 
set an opening date and that was December of 2020. And then I joined the team full time this past January in 2021. I quit the very local because I knew I wanted to end up in beer. I uh, just wasn't sure where. Uh, I guess that's the one consistency throughout those three years of knowing you guys because I've kind of been, you know, dying to get into this industry. Mm-hmm. So I told Dave, I was like, when you're ready to pull the trigger and like talk, you know, more serious, um, not just drinking beer, but like working in beer, I'll be your head of marketing. And uh, yeah, and he brought me on board. Right on. Right on. Well, I'm glad to see that you you finally made it. Thank you. <laughs> yes. As the perpetual remora fish of beer, we are perfectly fine doing what we're doing, but it's nice when somebody is able to make that leap yes. from just hanger on to actual, you know, in the industry. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. had immense respect for the food and beverage industry, even, you know, coffee, restaurants, mm-hmm. wine. Um, you know, I, I think I told you guys I bartended at Bar Marco. Oh, Their yeah. focus is much more wine and cocktail. And I just did events, but I, I just, my forte was always beer. And I not found that kind of, you know, uh, home or home base till I found Trace. Right on. And you can go back and listen to those old episodes to hear some of those Bar Marco stories. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we're glad, we're glad that you uh, came down and found yourself a home. With that though, Zach, you're also kind of a journeyman around Pittsburgh as far as where yeah. you've worked in beer. I mean, yeah. you've always kind of been in beer and you've worked in Pittsburgh at like four different breweries now and you've worked at other breweries outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, but can you give us more about your general backstory and how you came to Trace? The, f- the first alcohol service job I had, I, I lived in Colorado for one year. A friend of a friend was a vodka lemonade vendor at Red Rocks for <laughs> concerts in <laughs> nice. Colorado. And somebody quit or got fired. I, I don't remember what happened there, but they were looking for somebody on very short notice. I had no experience and I was like, I'm available. <laughs> sure, I can put a shot of vodka and sugar water and put a lemon in it and uh, did that. And that was my entry into alcohol service was live concert uh, cocktail vending. <laughs> I was terrible at it. And then I moved back east to Boston and I ended up getting a job um, uh, hawking beer in the stands at Patriots games. <laughs> That's awesome. So for half a season, I was a, like a beer here guy in the stands. Beer here. Selling, uh, selling, you know, macro lagers to people, to Pats fans. Did you have a catchphrase to, to draw the customers in? <laughs> I mean... It takes less effort to get their attention <laughs> than people think. You know, there's not a lot of uh, razzle-dazzle. It's kind of like... Fucking cool as light here, kid. They're already <laughs> waiting for you. Although one night I uh, ended up having to sell cans of Guinness. And luckily I found an Irish gentleman in my section. And he basically <laughs> was my best customer. <laughs> I mean, that sounds really stereotypical, but he was so excited when he saw me. And I just kept coming back. I, I made almost no money that night except for off from that guy. <laughs> Turns out that Guinness cans into, uh, into a glass... In a football game is not the top seller. But, <laughs> um, because of that job, though, I got a job at a Whole Foods, um, which is actually where I met my wife. She was in the floral department on the other side of the building, and I was in specialty selling craft beer. And that was really, you know, I started homebrewing around that time, and that was really where, you know, I would take home a different six pack every week. I was trying all these styles. It was nice. You know, I got a discount <laughs> on the beer. <laughs> yeah, at, at that point, I didn't really have much career ambition. And uh, 
that was kind of the entry point really for me into craft beer. And back then, I think our, our top seller was uh, six packs of grapefruit sculpin. Mm-hmm. I think the hypest beer that we sold there was probably every once in a while we would get one case of 12 bottles of main beer company lunch. Okay. And at the time that was like, people would call the store. They're like, I heard they're delivering this week. (laughs) (laughs) We had to hide it behind the counter. Amber 500 milliliter bottles of main beer company. Now you can get it at JR's. Yeah. Now it's, (laughs) yeah. But back then that was, that was the shit. And, uh, yeah, after that, um, a friend sent me a job listing for harpoon was opening a beer hall. And they decided to hire all inexperienced bartenders. So I was one of those people. I was giving brewery tours. And after that, um, you know, I, I was volunteering on bottling days at various places, just lending a hand and uh, ended up getting hired uh, by Trillium Brewing when they were still in their original Congress Street kind of shoebox brewery location and i was like cleaning kegs and working there part-time and that was kind of the entry point into the rest of my career most of which has been in pittsburgh at this point that would be my general background and maybe the part that's not out there that people can read about if they want right on Um, you mentioned it but you started homebrewing while you're at Whole Foods, but I assume that carried all the way through until you started working at Trillium and then yeah. people kind of found out that you were into that. And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's kind of two paths that people take through homebrewing. One is like you get your extract homebrew kit and you do it one time and you're like, oh, this is kind of fun. And you just keep doing that. And then the other path is you do it once and you're immediately on the internet looking at gear <laughs> trying to buy new stuff like all right these bottles are not it how can i keg stuff i need to turn it around faster and that was that was me i mean i did it one time and i was like well this is it <laughs> <laughs> how can this be more efficient how can this be bigger <laughs> yeah regardless of where it goes from here i knew i'll be making beer for the rest of my life it was pretty instantaneous for me i just uh connected with the process and I could see all the variables and all the iterations and ways you could try different things. And it was a pretty immediate, like the switch just flipped in my brain. I'm like, all right, well, this is the thing. But yeah, no, I kept going and buying better gear and, and more equipment and larger equipment right up until I uh, basically started working in production. And then once you're doing it for a living, the the appeal of spending an entire Saturday <laughs> making five or 10 gallons of beer goes pretty, goes downhill pretty fast. I, mean, <laughs> I hate to report that. I mean, there are some people I've, I've met that kept up with it into their professional career, but usually that's not the way it goes. So <laughs> do you, you've heard that. <laughs> it, do you yeah. remember which recipe it was uh, that like one of your first recipes that you developed or you said, okay, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Oh, um, I mean, like what style or what, what type of beer it was. So the very first beer I made was kind of weird. I went to the homebrew shop. I didn't know anything about it. I was just like, sell me what I need. Mm -hmm. And, and the guy was like, well, if you, if you don't know anything and it's your first beer, you should make like a darker beer because if you really mess up terribly, 
<laughs> at least there'll be like malt flavor to cover it up. That was his pitch to me. It's like, oh, you want to try home brewing? You're probably going to be terrible at it. So I actually ended up with a brown ale extract kit. That was the first nice beer that I made. That's the same exact one that we did was a yeah. brown ale. I think everybody does caribou slobber at some point. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's uh, maybe that's just part of training to work in a homebrew shop is push the brown ale, you know. <laughs> Push the soup. So I, I didn't, going into it, I did not do any research. <laughs> I also I had no familiar. idea what I was doing. I had printed list of instructions and I'm literally going step by step and reading the instructions as I'm going. And it gets to the end and it's like, chill it down to 70 and pitch the yeast. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? I don't know. <laughs> and so I literally just left the pot on the stove and just kept checking it with my thermometer <laughs> until it got down to room temperature. <laughs> and uh, I think the kit, it was like you had to, you were supposed to top it off with water. And so not being content with just doing it the, the way that they told you to do it, I had like a half or I had a bottle of uh, mineral water. Gerald Steiner mineral water, <laughs> which I which I learned later is really high in sodium. But I didn't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, instead of topping it off with just tap water, I tap it off with this with this German mineral water. And I'm like, all right, well, this will make it somehow interesting. And that was true because the beer turned out like salty Ooh. from the mineral water. So you made a brown goza. So <laughs> I accidentally made, yeah, like a, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't acidic, although I did leave it out in my kitchen so there was sort of like a mini cool ship <laughs> with whatever was going on in that kitchen i'm sure it got something in it but uh yeah ended up with this really minerally salty brown beer in bottles <laughs> and my roommate was like this beer tastes like a liquid pretzel <laughs> and uh Looking, going, looking back at it now, like I just lived with a bunch of people that would drink literally anything. <laughs> I had batches of beer where like I just knew I messed up and it was just like a straight butter bomb and I had it in a keg already. I remember this happened one time and I told my roommates, I was like, there's five gallons of beer in there. Tastes like, uh, you know, movie theater popcorn, but there's like 7% alcohol in it. So if you guys run out of beer or whatever later, go ahead and drink it. <laughs> Thinking that they would try it, like, this is gross. It was gone the next day. <laughs> just completely gone. <laughs> they had no standards at all. Well, um, that's nice because you got rid of it. That's right. So, yeah, I had the salted brown ale and people were complimenting me on it. I think <laughs> that the buzz of the compliments of like, oh, this is different. I like this. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm handing them free beer. Like, here you go. To answer your question, there really wasn't like a specific beer that stood out, but I do remember certain batches, like seeing the incremental progress and then mm -hmm. sharing them with my roommates and them being like, wow, um, in relatively, you know, in their opinion, in a relatively short series of time. But, you know, at the peak of my home brewing, I was probably making a batch as soon as the other one was done. I mean, I only had the equipment to make one batch at a time. <laughs> I would keg it off and just immediately mash in the next That one. weekend, got to get going again. And uh, 
I was living in a house with like seven or eight people. So getting rid of five gallons of beer was never really an issue. <laughs> so you were a good roommate then. Which is nice, you know, when you're a new home brewer. It's just like, all right, here's this, here's this round. <laughs> How's uh, this do for you? All right, good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of brings us up to, you know, like you said, you worked at Trillium and then you kind of moved into Pittsburgh and you've done Dancing Gnome, Four Points. And, oh, the other one escapes me. But then you also made it to Trace. Uh, yeah, Strange Roots. Strange, Strange Roots, yeah, yeah. thank you. You worked at Strange Roots for a minute. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, now you're here at Trace. So what brought you into Trace? So at, I actually met um, the co-founders of the company, Dave and Joel, worked. We met as bartenders at Harpoon. When I got that Harpoon job, they were both part of that crew of people. And uh, they went on and had production careers, and then they got into consulting, and then they started raising money and ultimately opened Remnant Brewing. And Dave is a big part of the reason why I ended up in Pittsburgh, because I was looking to get out of Boston, and he was down here. He, he had met Andrew. Um, Dancing Gnome was not open yet, and I essentially filled in as an assistant brewer, cellarman kind of role, um, he had a little bit of uh, professional experience and had done some school and I had my experience. And so, yeah, I, I knew Dave from before I had ever worked in the back of house in a brewery. And uh, I knew I always knew that he was going to open a place in Pittsburgh. I, you know, these things take a lot of time and you never know if it's all going to line up right. And I would end up working here. But that is what happened and so it's fun like we've we've seen each other's career go in two different directions in the same industry and it's been nice to uh that we that our our paths crossed again <laughs> from where we were probably at one point in time giving tours together at harpoon brewery <laughs> to now um now you get to give tours at your own brewery yeah well i don't give tours much <laughs> anymore every now and again i do a uh, cool ship spiel for people and my tour guide voice kicks in but in general i'm content to hide in the, in the, in the back of the brewery so you have mentioned cool ship a couple of times uh, for our listeners that don't necessarily know what that equipment is what is a cool ship and what is a cool ship room besides a fantastic podcast recording space <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, well, a cool ship is a um, traditional piece of brewing equipment that um, was actually used in the production of a lot of different kinds of beer. But in the context that most people know it now, um, it's used in the production of spontaneous beer. And so um, the vessel itself is just like a shallow or generally pretty shallow um, open topped metal, you could imagine it. People say bathtub a lot. Um, a lot of the older ones are more shallow than that, but yeah, just an open topped uh, metal vessel. These days, there's more stainless steel ones, but back in the day, they were pretty much all copper. Spontaneous beer, most famously, is known as uh, Belgian lambic, although lambic is. Uh, considered by uh, the Belgian Lambic producers and most people to be a regional term the same way that uh, sparkling white wine made in Champagne, France is champagne. But if you made the same beverage somewhere else, it would just be 
uh, sparkling white wine. So in America, people have a bunch of different names for it. I generally just call it spontaneous beer. And the idea is that um, instead of adding yeast to the wort or the to the beer, if you will, you rely on yeast and bacteria from the air um, that's always present to ferment the beer. So you would um, do your boil and then knock out the wort into the cool ship and in the winter and leave it exposed to um, outside air overnight and then put it into barrels and then whatever the uh, native microflora that you end up with will uh, ferment the beer and give you a complex and acidic um, wild beer. And I mean, in order to make it properly, it could take anywhere from one to three or four years. And is like the, the open basin design, is that in how like wide and flat it is, is that meant to be more conducive for like having a larger surface area for a collection? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, well, when I originally mentioned about it being used for a lot of styles of beer, before you had things like plate chillers or other mechanical ways to chill wort, even in styles where they would add yeast, they would sometimes use a cool ship to cool the wort down. They knew that they had to get the wort down to room temperature before they could add yeast. And so a cool ship is a large, flat shallow surface that allows for rapid cooling because the you know it spreads the wort out thin and then it cools down pretty quickly so um yeah and then in wild brewing that gives you much more surface area to collect um yeast and bacteria from the air and then the other part of your question was about a cool ship room so then if you take that a step further we have um this room is uh, unfinished pine. And so the idea being that the room itself will develop a culture over time where when you repeatedly do this process in here, eventually um, yeast and bacteria will make their home in the wood itself. And then the room and the space will develop a uh, character. And so that's, that's kind of the idea behind the cool ship room. Some people take a cool ship and drag it behind a truck out in the middle of the <laughs> desert. They've done that. I know people that have set up cool ships in vineyards. So you don't need the room. Mm -hmm. It can really be done hypothetically anywhere. But um, this is this is Trace's approach. Yeah. To, to so the cool we went ship. with a room. It, it provides a unique space, and obviously we're sitting in it right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's a nice teaching tool. It. Uh, is, is, is nice to be able to show this to people right off the side of the beer garden here in an enclosed space. Um, so everyone at some point or another, you know, peeks in here and they're like, what's going on in there? <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, as a beer nerd and a person that's been working at least around wild beer professionally for several years, you know, you start to think that, Everybody knows what you're talking about, but most people have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so it's nice to be able to explain it and then point at it. So right. That's it right yeah. there. 
So next time you come down to Trace and you look in here, this is not a meeting room for the Legion of Doom. <laughs> this is the cool ship room. Sometimes. Well, it could be. That's true. We don't know and we don't judge. <laughs> don't take away my dreams. <laughs> yeah. And also we had, um, I should mention that uh, we had a, a Tia Jones, who's a local artist, do the, the work on the windows here. Oh, right on. Yeah. So she came in and did this. That's fantastic work. Yeah. It really intricate. The yeah. paint on glass, I think it changes annually, right, Zach? Yeah, so that's oh. the first one right now. It's still the original one, but she was in here the other day saying that she wants to get in soon and redo it. The original idea was that it would change with the seasons. Mm. But, um, you know, sometimes you open a business in a global pandemic and, <laughs> and the artist can't come in all the time but yeah a tale as old as time i wanted to uh, mention her because her work really adds a lot of character to this room yeah it, really it does. does it truly does she was actually here tonight yeah she, she sat at the bar and had a beer and just was sketching and that, that was cool to see her come to her a space where her work is featured that's right awesome so yeah that kind of brings us into our next category and we can get you back involved adam <laughs> but uh you know, with uh, with Trace opening in Bloomfield and also, Adam, with you being a part of the Diversity Council, uh, obviously, there you kind of have to be a good neighbor and a good citizen within this uh, part of Pittsburgh. And not that Trace ever would not be, but just kind of give people more of an idea of like what Trace is about, philosophies, and what people can expect from their experience when they come here. Yeah, totally. Um, I guess there's like probably two or three things happening. One is just to focus on community. You know, it's certainly a space where we didn't build this for the conventional craft beer drinker. We kind of built it for everyone. And um, the in the event that we draw folks here that uh, don't really usually drink beer or visit breweries, they come for the vibe, they come for the programming, they come to be part of the neighborhood. Um, you know, we, we launched this uh, monthly drag brunch which has just kind of taken off. And our GM, Katie, uh, she's awesome. She kind of helped kind of concept that. Um, the building directly next door to Trace, which is right there, is an apartment. And uh, two drag queens live there. And uh, Dallas and Nick come down and perform. And uh, they have crewed up with several other drag queens. So like usually one or two Sundays a month, we have drag brunch. That tends to really you know strike the uh, LGBTQ community and just like, has this awesome aura and vibe of folks who don't normally visit breweries, but they come for drag brunch. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to get to, you know, show them our space and have them feel welcome and included and having a good time here. Um, you know, our, our space or sorry, our staff rather is pretty diverse as well. We have a lot of people of color on the team. I think the most out of any brewery in Pittsburgh, um, when folks see themselves in us, that's really fun to get to talk to, you know, folks who are black or brown or Asian or anything. And, um, you know, we're not a very homogenous staff. So we tend to draw a more diverse uh, crowd, given that like, they see a lot of themselves in us. And then the other part of it just is, yeah, like you said, being here in Bloomfield in a very dense, pedestrian friendly, walkable area. Um, we just wanted to make sure that we were, um, you know, a good neighbor and, uh, you know, doing things like just small stuff like mounting bike racks for the folks who cycle here, you know, right off the Liberty Ave bike lanes, um, you know, making sure that we do the things that are um, just part of being, you know, part of Bloomfield, um, celebrating our local businesses. We try to, you know, when we think about like food trucks, for example, we try to not book them actually on Saturdays because that's a peak day for restaurants. So uh -huh. our hope is that folks would get takeout locally 
and eat it here at Trace mm-hmm. and support some of our neighboring restaurant businesses yeah. as well. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, you're within very walkable distance or bikeable because I mean, you're not too far from Lawrenceville either for people who aren't from the city. So, yeah, it's very easy to get here if you're kind of in the pedestrian area. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And also just jumping back, you mentioned about your drag brunch and how that brings in community that you wouldn't necessarily expect. We've seen that already with uh, like Couch yes. doing drag bingo. So, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, totally. a cool, that's a cool thing that you have going on. Yep. Yeah, they, they do a great job with that for sure. I think that, uh, you know, when you lean into that and you make it a consistent part of your uh, ethos and programming and then it kind of, you know, injects itself into the brand, people just kind of show up and they come and we've had a lot of repeat guests come after sort of their first touch point being drag brunch. And then they come back to just chill. In fact, uh, two nights ago, somebody reserved the cool ship room mm-hmm. for their birthday party and, and, and he's gay and, and he'd emailed us and said, Hey, you know, I came to drag brunch and then I came to pride, had a blast. I want to do my birthday here. I, I don't even know that he's a beer drinker. I think he just really <laughs> enjoyed the space right and, really, and was able to invite his friends yeah. and have a birthday party in here. Um, no, that's pretty cool to see. I, I didn't expect that. Maybe that's a bit of an unintended consequence, but yeah. um, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, but I like, you know, when you make it known that, you know, whoever, whatever the group is, is welcome. Like the Smiling Moose, that's long known as a heavy metal place. So if you're a heavy metal fan, even if you don't necessarily like beer or alcohol, you know you can go in there and be cool mm-hmm. and that you'll be around like-minded people. So, yeah, when you put forward, you know, your community is welcome here. People are going to show up yeah. and they're going to come back, beer drinker or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. I think uh, another subtle thing that someone like maybe uh, Dave or Zach or Katie would talk about is, you know, if you have to use the restroom here, all of our restrooms are gender neutral. And it's, to my knowledge, I haven't seen that at other breweries. I've certainly seen it in other businesses, mm-hmm. but you just pick where you go to the bathroom based on, you know, whatever. Like it's, they all have doors. Right. You just pick mm-hmm. how you go. And um, there's no like men or women, you know, gendered spaces. Um, that definitely was helpful in the event of like hosting pride and like doing drag brunch, but even just on a day to day, it's a bit of a, like an educational opportunity kind of like Zach said with the cool ship to like be able to educate folks that like, Hey, you just go where you feel comfortable. Right. Um, awesome. It's a subtlety, but it, it, you know, finds its way into kind of who we are. Cool. Well, where I feel comfortable going is back to the pale ale. Oh, that transition was smooth. I'm full. Of, <laughs> I'm full of good segues. <laughs> Hell yeah. But, uh, yeah. Final thoughts on this beer. And we can go around the table. I I enjoyed it. It's a nice dry drinker. And like I said, it would go really well with like fruit. It's a warm summertime beer. It is. It is. This is, is, and I already said it earlier, it's a grass cutter plus. Yeah. You know, if, if and when, and when is usually what's going to happen when you don't want to have one of those macros after you're cutting, cutting the grass, when you, you kind of want to treat yourself a little bit, grab yourself one of these. You'll, You'll thank yourself. I also I also appreciate the pininess because that's not something you find quite as often anymore in beers. We need more pine in our life. I need more pine. You you don't love that. <laughs> no, I, I if there has to be a hot profile, pine. Pine? Okay. Spruce. Spruce. Give Fair me, give me on that spruce train. <laughs> Zach, we'll give us some final thoughts on your own beer. Pale ales to me are dry beers. They're smaller and then that's essentially what we have here. I mean, I I just did this one for draft only, really trying to tailor draft lineup to the seasons. And that was a big reason why I made this one. I've been kind of cycling through different iterations of the same ideas with the pale ales. You know, the crystal is essentially a noble hop, but it adds a lot of that clean kind of woodsy flavor to this beer. 
And so that's the kind of the way that I've tried to differentiate these smaller beers is make them dry and a little pinier. I'd say you nailed it. That's yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We're down with that. And uh, with that, we're going to take a little break. We'll come back with segment two, and we'll actually get to learn a little bit more about the other half of what Trace is all about, in that they're both coffee and beer. In that. In that. So we'll learn about the coffee in that coming up. And oh boy, do I have questions. (laughs) (laughs) We will be right back. First Sip Brew Box is a -a one-of-a-kind subscription service for craft beer lovers based right here in Pittsburgh. Every month, First Sip will send you a box full of craft beer enthusiast essentials, including t-shirts, glassware, and even food. Right now, our friends at First Sip Brew Box have an offer for you. Just sign up for a three-month subscription and get your fourth month free. Just enter the code HOPUSA when you sign up at firstsipbrewbox.com. That's H-O-P-U-S-A at checkout to get your fourth month free at firstsipbrewbox.com. Welcome back to episode 211 of the Hop Nation USA podcast. We're still live at Trace, and we're still drinking Trace beers. Yes, we are. They are forcing us to drink beers on this podcast. I got I got the burns on my arm from the grabbing and the twisted it. Mm-hmm. Hurts. That's right. Hurts. Yeah. Adam came over to me. He looked at me dead in the eye. He's like, you're drinking beer. It's like, okay, <laughs> I don't want no trouble. And it was Adam on Adam violence. That's I didn't right. know what to do. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I got you, dude. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But yes, we're still joined here by the crew at Trace, and we're going to move on to the second beer, and we'll let Zach introduce it. What are we drinking now? Uh, yeah, so this is Moving Castle 2. It's an IPA. Uh, it's 7.1%. And uh, this beer used a little bit of citra and a, and a new hop that became available this year that doesn't have a name right now. It's just HBC 630. And so the idea, uh, just to explain that Moving Castle number two, is that it's a series of beers that will just kind of use the the moving castle brand to explore ideas or ingredients that we'd like to try out um and then make it uh you know under that name so that people know it's gonna be something that we haven't worked with before it's a brand new thing in one way or the other uh the first one i used a pretty heavy amount of idaho gem hops which aren't They've been around for a little while, but they're kind of like the lesser known little sibling of Idaho 7, if you will. They don't have similar flavors, but they came from a similar um, area and breeding program. But reading the description of it, it was always interesting to me. And so a lot of breweries do this. They have, you know, back at Trillium, we had the permutation series. So it's, it's kind of that idea. And so this one, you know, I used... The HBC 630, which is a new hop. It had very interesting descriptors, and I, I really felt like, based on some of the breweries I saw using it, that it was worth taking a shot at. And uh, I'm really happy I did, because the beer has great stone fruit notes. Um, there's berry and melon in there. Super happy with it. I definitely feel like 630 is going to be around and get named, but yeah. That's, uh, With this hop, I, how did you find this hop? Where where did you pick this up to be able to use it? Uh, so there are new hops that come out every year. I mean, HBC is just a shortening. I think we looked it up today. It was a hop breeding company. 
you know, they spend a lot of time out in the Pacific Northwest developing new hops, doing crossbreeding and uh, piloting um, new hop varieties. And, and this is one of the ones that came out this year. And so, you know, as I was explaining this beer to our staff, it's kind of like by the time that it's available for someone like myself to buy, there's been years of development. And every year there's uh, all the different hop companies do this to a certain extent. There's hops that come and go and, you know, sometimes it turns into nothing and you never see that hop again after a couple of years. And sometimes that hop is mosaic. You know, you never know. <laughs> you have to try them. And sometimes it's Sabro. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's Sabro. Yeah. We're able to work with Yakima Chief and um, do some contracts for next season as part of this pro that process they you know are are trying to get people to try this hop and so you know i read the description of it and i think you know the alchemist has a series that's kind of similar they made a, a entirely 630 beer um and i saw some other kind of glowing reviews of it from other great breweries and you know, I saw the opportunity and it was offered to me to buy it. And so here we are drinking it. And, yeah. right you on. know, and when the beer was done and and I was finally kind of tasting it in its final form, I was like, man, I want to call my rep up and throw some of this on my contract right now, <laughs> which you know, it takes a while. I mean, I don't know how much was a, is available this year. I'm sure they might still have some, but you see it from time to time where new hop varieties come out and then they become popular and then they're impossible to get for a little while. And then they finally plant more. I mean, it takes a while to mm -hmm. get hop vines really producing properly. So mm -hmm. this is something honestly that I've always wanted to do through my whole career is work with new hops. I mean, I've only been to uh, CBC, the craft beer conference one time i went when i was working for dancing gnome but i spent a bunch of time talking to hop vendors about new hops that they have because you never know i mean you you try something out and and uh make a relationship with somebody and uh you know the people breeding it and if it turns out to be something great and you got in on the ground floor of it then that's something that you have and yeah you might find the next strata yeah. yeah, you never know. I mean, so do you know if this is the first time that this hop has been used in the Pittsburgh area? I don't know that. Um, I know I could tell you that. So we did Ales for ALS this year, which is a uh, charitable group that makes a custom hop blend every year. And then breweries participate in making a beer with it and um, donate proceeds from the sale of the beer to ALS research. And um, we did one of the we did that beer this year, and they had two hop blends this time around. The one that we used had a small percentage of this hop in it. Okay. And I know, uh, for example, Brew Gentleman does Lou every year, which is their Ales for ALS beer. So they mm -hmm. made that. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't seen explicitly somebody make one with this much 630 in it right in on Pittsburgh but yeah I mean for for as for all I know I mean trying out a new hop is tricky I mean I, I couldn't commit to doing a hundred percent so it's nice to you know you put something like citra in it 
all all of us that brew hazy IPA are extremely familiar <laughs> with that hop. So it's like if it if it's if it's a new hop, and then I think the the ratio is like it's two thirds six thirty and one third citra. And I actually did two separate dry hops, and the second one was just the six thirty. So I'm really trying to get as much out of that as I can here and still have some kind of character from the Citra that, you know, the average customer can kind of, you know, I still have to think about selling beer. We're very small. Right, beer. right. You have to look at it from a business but perspective. Also from the perspective of evaluating the hop, I can taste it and be like, okay, well, the Citra is definitely not doing that or that or that. I can still pick out and learn a lot mm-hmm. um, yeah. about the 630. So as Zach was talking about, the hop we've been drinking the beer we have and uh i i can tell you like right off the bat it's not completely citra dominated it's not an overly citrusy nose no it's flavor not. it does have you know zach mentioned it it does have berry notes mm-hmm. and a lot of those carry on the back end so it feels very berry note heavy on the back end and then it has just a slight like bitter taper off so it's not very it's not very strong uh, one way or the other. It's not going to blow your palate out, but it does have like its own character to it that you wouldn't find in just a straight up citra or mosaic. It stands on its own. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it is a- its own beer, and and that is honestly one of the best things you can say about a beer. Yeah, yeah is that a- it stands on its own. Yeah, it's a, a very interesting taste, and uh, uh, to look at it though, it is completely opaque. Yeah, yeah. There is there is not much like getting through there. Nah, uh, I, I I can say that. Uh, yeah, there was some light tests taken. Yeah, you'll see them on the Instagram. <laughs> no light gets through. It's pretty amazing. It has actually broken the stout test that we have on there the we show. Go. <laughs> so we have to we have to reconfigure our test. It didn't because the, of this beer. It didn't break the test. It just stands on its own. It, it breaks the test for IPAs. It does. It does. <laughs> we have to rewrite the rules. Yeah. It doesn't break it for stouts. Stout's still dark. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, incredibly opaque, uh, nice and floral on the nose and you get a little bit of citrus notes, the same that you do on the, on the mouth. Mm-hmm. And it has a nice thick body to it as well. Yes. Uh, I assume there's a lot of oats in it. I'm just guessing. Uh, yeah, there are definitely oats in this beer yeah i mean a lot of what i've done thus far is kind of just playing with the proportions and percentages of oats to wheat to you know base malts and then other other barley um time to time a little bit of caramel malt but i don't think this one is this is not the highest percentage of oats that i've done yeah i mean i rely on that stuff for mouthfeel and Mm. And, and you can tell it's, it has a very nice, soft and thick mouthfeel to it. Yes, I, I would say. And this was 7.1% ABV. 7.1, yeah. This is the kind of beer that would kind of be a bit dangerous. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> because you're drinking it and it doesn't taste like a 7.1. Yeah. No. You know, it doesn't have that kind of kickback that some of yeah. the mid to higher ABV beers will have. You can hammer through three or four of these and then, oh, by the way, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely a beer, though, that I would like pair with dinner. And this is going to go well with like any kind of fish or chicken. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm into it. Uh, with that, though, we're going to move on and we're going to get to learn a little bit about the other half of Trace because Trace isn't just a bar. It's not just a brewery. It's a coffee bar as well. But wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. 
So, yes. So, Zach's going to go pet some dogs. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to bring on Joe Burns, who mans the coffee station. And Adam with the two A's, he's going to stick with us as well, just to kind of talk about uh, the coffee side. And really, if he's going to punch his card, he needs to be here for the whole show. Right. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Marketing 101. That's right. We're not, we're not going to let you skirt by in this. You have to be here through the whole thing. Yeah. You yeah, can't just do one segment and get the card punch. That's Sorry. Right. You got to earn it. You got to earn your t-shirt. Haul. Yeah. I don't mind at all. If we can get a couple of dogs in here, I can pet those and continue podcasting too. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Dog to dog, dog, dog. <laughs> but uh, yes, the other half of Trace is that you guys are in a way partnered with Red Hawk uh, Coffee Roasters. And we have Joe Burns. Uh, this was something that was announced very early on in the development of Trace, but you guys have just now opened up uh, your coffee bar and Joe Burns has started working there. So, Joe, two questions. Uh, one, tell us more about Red Hawk. And two, is Joe Burns a stage name? Because Coffee <laughs> Burns is not a great. <laughs> no, it is about um, the closest name you could get to hot coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now it was a destiny, I guess, to be involved with coffee. But my employment is through Trace. Uh, our Red Hawk is our wholesale coffee provider. So we buy our beans from Red Hawk Coffee Roasters. Um, but what we do with those beans, how we brew them, how we present them, how we serve them, comes down to to me and us and, and what we do with them behind the bar here at Trace. Oh, okay. Awesome. I'll ask you the same question that was asked of Zach. How did you get started in the coffee game? <laughs> like, did, is there any sort of home brewing? Like, did you, you know, pick up a French press one day and decided that this is what I'm going to do? Were you um, doing pour so, overs in the kitchen? <laughs> no. So it, it, it's a lot more uh, like greasy and rudimentary than that. We right? like Where we I like was, greasy. I was um, an art major <laughs> in college. Oh, that's hella greasy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I moved to the Central Oregon coast sometime in my 20s and needed a job and found a job at a coffee shop and they just that particular coffee shop happened to roast coffee for themselves as well nice um and so i learned how to roast coffee through them and that was where i had my first shot of espresso even um and i fell in with a really great mentor who taught me how to cup coffee and taste coffee and uh just more generally that coffee was more than just like regular or decaf, that there could be nuance, there could be different countries of origin, there could be different roast profiles, uh, there could be different flavors to look for in every different coffee. And I just kind of like half needed the job, half fell in love with it, and I've been doing it for 12 years. So that should tell you something about awesome. it. Awesome. Right on. Uh, can you tell us more about like uh, where the beans come from for Red Hawk and like the roast profiles that they do offer? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know how specific you want to get uh, because I've been a coffee roaster for actually most of my career. And we don't do that here at Trace. We just we brew at Trace. Uh, we do espresso. We do filter coffee. We do cold brew, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I've been a coffee roaster in the past. And so I know a lot about where Red Hawk is sourcing their green coffee from before mm -hmm. they roast it. Uh, but specifically... Uh, what we have right now, we have um, a lovely Ethiopian coffee. We use their house blend for um, our espresso. Um, but coffee changes seasonally. It's a crop. It's something that a lot of people don't realize. Um, so there's different harvests. There's different times of year where certain coffees are in season versus other times of year where they're still harvesting. They're still processing in the country of origin. Um, and so uh, Red Hawk is taking care of most of those deal 
those details for us here at Trace and credit to those guys because they do a really great job at it. Awesome. So from from your side of things, I know with, with Zach, with brewing, he can kind of play with recipes and things like that. From the coffee side of things, is there things that you can do to play with recipe and, and final products that can kind of put your stamp on it? Yeah, I definitely. Coffee's a, um, so as I've discovered since I've been here for the last couple of weeks, we just launched the coffee program uh, two Mondays ago. So it's a, it's a relatively recent thing. Um, but as I've discovered since I've been here, there's a lot of uh, crossover between Zach and I and the way we approach what we do and the way we talk about what we do. Um, but I think a unique thing with coffee is when you come in and you order um, a latte or an espresso or a cortado, I still have to make that right mm-hmm. in front of you. Um, so uh, there's coffee roasting, which is what Red Hawk does for us. They're buying the raw agricultural product. They're putting it through the roasting process. Uh, we buy that here at Trace, and then I have to put that through the brewing process too, where there's you know another six to ten variables where you could totally fuck it up along the way. Um, <laughs> which is what I'm I'm trying to avoid most of the time. But yeah, there's a stamp. There's a place to put your stamp of approval in both. Red Hawk does it with the roasting. We do it with the brewing, whether we're pulling uh, like big long shots, uh, really tiny ristretto shots. Um, So it's, it's something that I'm always interested in playing at. Different coffees offer different things with different recipes and different brewing methods too. Right on. It, are you able to do anything in terms of blends of using like a light roast and a dark roast to kind of mix things together on the final product? Is that something that you can do as well? Yeah, you could. Um, Red Hawk offers a, a, a slight variety. They're most, mostly lighter roasted coffees. There's some medium roasted stuff in there as well. Uh, I generally prefer a lighter roasted bean. Um, it's where you pick up more nuances, more subtleties. Um, more like fruit forward floral flavors come across in light roasted coffees. And if you brew them well, they still have a texture and a mouthfeel that people would describe as heavy or robust. Right on. You can confirm if this is true or not, but it's actually the blonde roasts and the lighter roasts that are a lot more flavorful and they're a lot more caffeinated. than. Uh, I mean, the caffeinated part is, uh, like I've heard that before, but that more comes down to how you brew your coffee. Lots okay. of people brew your coffee, brew their coffee um, volumetrically, like they'll weigh out tablespoons or they'll brew their coffee by like measuring out cups. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're brewing your coffee by weight, which is what I would highly recommend, pick up a cheap kitchen scale, brew your coffee by grams. Uh, if you're going by grams, um, darker roasts would have more caffeine in them by the time you get to the brewing process. No shit. Because through the roasting process, coffee loses mass it becomes less dense but it doesn't lose a lot of caffeine um so darker roasted coffee would be less dense and then so by weight you'd be using more beans to brew that particular cup and that cup would actually end up with more caffeine oh okay joe just so you know we're gonna start peppering you with questions (laughs) the more you talk the more questions i keep coming up with (laughs) And and it's just like general coffee talk i think we actually know less about coffee than we do beer so yeah absolutely One thing I did want to get into, though, is so far uh, with Trace being open, and if Zach wants to jump in, he can, but the one kind of coffee beer collab that has been brewed here is the Sun is Up Porter. Did you have any hand in that, or were you not onboarded yet? I was not on board at that time. So if you guys want to talk about that beer, I'll slide this microphone <laughs> back over to Zach. So kind of the part two of that is, can we expect more 
uh, more partnerships and more beers as the uh, months get a little colder with uh, coffee. I think it's it's something we've been talking about this past week, especially uh, with Pittsburgh Coffee Week coming up. Is a hold up what? <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So Pittsburgh Coffee Week is a week of just celebrating coffee and the coffee industry in general. It happens generally every October. No shit. Um, this year, I think it's the last week in September. Actually, they bumped it up a week. Okay. Um, it skipped a year last year, um, and it's just a week of celebrating coffee. Various coffee shops in the city host events every night. There's latte art throwdowns. There's like coffee tastings. Um, there's lots of stuff happening at your local coffee shop. So, I mean, be on the lookout for it. Ask your local barista if they're doing anything or they're taking part in it. It's just a, a, a good, a good week. I have no idea. I didn't know about that either, but uh, that's kind of a cool thing. And I know like with the, the return sort of return, uh, there's Yin's coffee. That's, yes. That's uh, the sort of resurrection of crazy Mocha, but mm-hmm. crazy Mocha was, we won't get into that. Not run. Well, it was, yeah. it was run by Dickens. Yeah. You can say that. <laughs> I had friends that work there. They didn't like it. <laughs> it was run by Dickens. But Yin's coffee is coming back and uh, you know, we have Red Hawk down here at trace and you have a bunch of other, uh, places that Kelsey, if she was on this episode, would be able to name right off the bat. Oh, yeah. She'd just kick me off the mic and start asking oh, yeah. more questions. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's an interesting thing to check out in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, keep that in mind. The other thing that we've noticed, though, that's kind of a, a kind of a beer trend a little bit, but it's with uh, breweries who have partnered with coffee shops and roasters. Eventually, they wind up putting out a coffee blend that is made either to mimic a beer or made to just like mimic a beer style. I there's, I don't even know who the roaster is, but I've gotten it from first sip. Mm-hmm. They, they have a hopped and a stout coffee. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, is, is that something, is that another thing that we can possibly look forward to from Trace and Red Hawk? I mean, maybe I don't want to put anything out of the question that would be up to the particular sort of coffees that Red Hawk can source for us. Um, I like I said I like really floral like bear, like really berry forward coffees. To me, a lot of washed Ethiopian coffees have kind of a pale ale-ish vibe to them already with the flavors that they carry. Um, and so I guess it's no surprise that I enjoy both pale ales and and washed Ethiopian coffees. But so you say washed Ethiopian? Obviously, Ethiopian is the country of origin. But what do you mean by washed? What what does that mean? Um, so coffee, once it's harvested from the, the tree that it's growing on, it goes through a, a processing method, which like very drastically determines what the finished product will taste like. I mean, and just to, like the short story is essentially coffee can go the washed route or it can go the natural route. And if it goes the natural dry processed route, what we mean is the coffee fruit is dried around the bean before it is removed from the bean. And if we go the washed route, uh, the fruit is removed pretty immediately after harvesting before the bean itself is dried. And the result is uh, more clean, transparent flavors in washed coffees versus very sweet, very fruit forward, earthy flavors in natural coffees. Okay. I had no idea that I knew so little. Well, yeah, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know it. (laughs) Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't know this shit either, but <laughs> so uh, with that though, you, you already made a mention that it, it kind of tastes like pale ales. You know, it has, it has notes that remind you of that. If you could make a blend of, uh, coffee grounds and, you know, just maybe flavors or additives, uh, with a trace beer, do you have a pick? 
to be honest with you, personally, I'm not the biggest fan of coffee blends. Um, I, I like single origin coffees. They're generally easier to brew. Um, solubility is a big thing in coffee, like how easily does it dissolve in the water that you're passing through it. Um, so singular like coffees are easier to work with, easier to brew. And so, yeah, I like washed coffees. They're floral. Uh, they're sweet, transparent, crystal clear flavors. I, I, like okay. to me, that's what right I look on. for in coffee. Adam, I know we've talked in the past. Uh, I, I believe it was the last episode when uh, we were talking about coffee. And you said you had been more of kind of just a straightforward brewed home and then take it with you. Yeah, that might have been just a function of COVID. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, has, has that changed at all? And do you have like a, a kind of an ideal trace coffee that you would put out? Shit. I, I mean, honestly... I, I echo a lot of what Joe just said with some of the more uh, floral notes and the berry tones that come through. I, Joe knows how I take my coffee. I generally add a dash of cream. And I feel like every time I do that, Joe slowly dies a little <laughs> bit inside. <laughs> I, I try to not show it on the outside, though. I know. I, Joe, the one thing that for folks listening, that as a sort of uh, the eyes and the ears of the brewery, as the marketing guy, Joe and Zach here that are next to me are both perfectionists, which is amazing. I'm very lucky to have them on the team because I, I have worked with Zach now, you know, for almost a year with Trace. But with Joe, I've frequented coffee shops that Joe's been at both in production and in the front of house. And, and he's an incredible um, professional and barista. And uh, yeah, it's really awesome to see your journey to get to work with you here. Oh, thank you. Uh, Adam interviewed me once for... Very local, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a couple of years ago. Adam interviewed me for a coffee shop we were opening locally here. And that was the first time I met Adam, actually. So it's awesome to be able to sit here and like be co-workers with him. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like, so that was December of 19. And if you fast forward to like middle of 2020, I was on Hop Nation. Mm-hmm. And we, the conversation went towards coffee. And we began to, and my editor, Lindsay, she'd asked me to write a story to round up, you know, about, I think there's roughly between 15 and 17 uh, independent roasters here in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of them, yeah. Which is amazing for a city of about 350,000 people. Right. One of those roasters was where Joe was at. So I, I got to interview Joe and talk about not what we're talking about, not serving coffee, but really production. And uh, the world that Joe comes from would be very, very much in parallel to the world that Zach comes from, but for coffee. Uh, so to have Joe in the front of house talking about product is pretty cool because he comes from the back of house. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of folks that, you know, jump between, I mean, maybe I'm just like wrong, but most folks go front of house to back of house and you went back of house to front of house. I went front to back to front. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> to sideways to the other way. But yeah, no, I, I love coffee. I love the light roasted coffees. I do. I, I see if we have the same chat six, seven, eight, nine months from now, I think Joe will probably... Uh, tweak my palate to just take coffee more straight, especially <laughs> right. on drip. Um, if I go to a coffee shop for the first time, if I'm traveling or, or anything, I always get the same thing. And that's always a single shot of straight espresso. Mm-hmm. I think that the way that some of those flavors express themselves, especially here locally, is pretty cool. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of what Red Hawk is doing. Obviously, we love them. They're our provider of beans. Um, and Kelvin as well. I think I talked to Steve about that last time I was in the episode. Um, I really enjoy some of their light roasted espressos and things like that. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I feel like as I see what's happening in the space and as I see guests interact with the product, 
there's if there's a funny moment uh, between noon and 3 p.m. every day where you could get actually both of our beverages. You could get a coffee from Joe or a beer that mm-hmm. Zach makes. And uh, over these last you know one and a half to two weeks, we've had a few guests do that. Um, you know, coffee's open eight to three. Bar service is noon to close. And if you come between noon and three, you could get both. It's neat to see like when folks do that side both side by side or sort of concurrently, like mm-hmm. one after the other. It's going to be a good lunch in the winter months when you can come in and get coffee and a stout. Yes, it is. Maybe a coffee stout. (laughs) You've been playing with that one for a while, haven't you? In your brain. Not actually a while. I just thought about it. I didn't didn't know what the actual service hours were. But now that I know, I was like, oh, yeah, you could just do a whole bunch of things. That's going to be a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Coffee Uh, stout, coffee, hoagie. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. Always hoagie. Now you have my attention. Yeah. Get a hoagie from somewhere. Maybe get some Thai food from Thai cuisine. Why does it have to be an or? Have yourself a day. Hoagie and Thai food. It's a lot of lunch. And a coffee and a beer. It's a lot of lunch. Treat but yourself. You brought it up, though, about how those times blend oh. in together. And it creates, again, another more open community space because you don't have to come here and get a beer. You can get a coffee from 8 to 3. With that, is there any other like events or other uh, community outreach things that you have planned going on for both the coffee side, beer side, anything that's going on here that you want to talk about. Yeah, I can jump in unless you want to, Joe. No, you can go, Adam. A, a couple, so just a couple of things. I'll keep it brief. I mean, one is the element of food. As we think about programming the space with food trucks and vendors that pop up, I've talked to Joe about this, but we're, we do have some um, sort of, I would call them brunch-specific pop-ups that are popping up earlier in the day to parlay with coffee service before beer even gets started. Uh, we're working with Soul Biscuit on a brunch program coming up, and we're working with uh, Wild Child, uh, Chef Jamilka. And and she's actually on day one of coffee service popped up with her team uh, here to um, just do like these awesome breakfast burritos and like fried potatoes and things like that. And I talked to Joe about it because I think that like it, you know, it keeps guests here and keeps them engaged just as like a function of that other half of Trace that's not beer, that's coffee. We've been talking a lot about how food in the space can um, inform the guest experience. And like Joe just like does his thing and is like ripping through shots and like espresso and coffee. And meanwhile, in the tap room, you have a food pop-up happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second thing would be to what Joe's point um, with coffee week. That's, I think that's September 18th to the 25th. Yeah, that sounds right. And a gentleman over at Commonplace, Bobby, he's kind of been like spearheading that. And Bobby and I have been talking with Joe about uh, that week in particular. And I think I, I think we can share it. We're, we're going to try to host yeah. the Tuesday of that week. So there are various uh, venues and places that pick up nights of the week to do a latte art throwdown or a tasting or a cupping. And I think Joe would like to concept a bar trivia night. Uh, which would be really fun to do here at Trace. We have the space awesome. for it. We have beer. Obviously, have coffee, and um, I think that like that also is a function of building community and providing that inclusive space for either non-drinkers or Muslims or recovering alcoholics or anything where you don't drink beer. Um, a couple of the neighbors who live right behind the brewery have been messaging us on Instagram for you know weeks and months about when is coffee coming. And I was like, yo, it's, I promise it's coming. And it finally came in July and uh, they just, they don't drink, but they wanted to come enjoy the space and now they can. Right. I'm just getting like water, you know? Yeah. Cause they can right still enjoy the out, outdoor space and 
you know, why would you want to walk two blocks for a cup of coffee when you could just walk half one? Right, right <laughs> around the corner. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, there's a lot of coffee in Bloomfield for sure. Right, right, and, right. <laughs> yeah, the work that Joe's doing and, and Sarah, like the two folks on our coffee side, um, definitely has opened up our brand to like some new people. Uh, and also just, I guess one thing we learned during COVID is a lot of folks that can work remote can work anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have your laptop or your phone and you want to hop on our Wi-Fi and just kick it, that's totally cool. We are super into that. And uh, I've had some repeat guests actually. A lot of repeat out. guests. We're actually pretty immediately one of the biggest coffee shops in the city. Um, so there's a lot of space for everybody here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. You, get, you get the luxury of a giant brewery space and Wi-Fi. Why would you not come here? And then if you happen to roll into noon, hey, hey, get a beer. So be it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. As, as, yeah. a, as a remote <laughs> worker. Yeah, I drink day beers <laughs> while I'm working. It happens. Yeah, I've seen guys openly on conference calls just pounding a beer, yeah. right? And, and it's cool. Like, I'm like, that, that's, that's dope. There was actually a guest in this cool ship room, and I, I didn't mean to interrupt him. He was, like, on a, on a group team Zoom call, and we had a, you know, reservation coming up, and I walked in, and he had, his, like, his coffee and his Zoom meeting going, and I was just like, wow, I, I forgot that folks can hop into here. Too. <laughs> yeah, I've had a couple people come in at like 8.30 or 9 in the morning and be like, can I open a tab right now? And then, <laughs> yeah, we open a tab and they hang out and they put like $30 with a coffee on the tab. And it awesome. comes around and they start drinking beer. And then a couple hours later, they cash out. <laughs> it's like a new experience That's for fantastic. a barista, at least. Yeah. Nice. yeah, it's because it's the same point of sale. It is pretty funny that like guests sort of walk up and when you approach Joe and you see the menu... Um, you know, in theory, Joe could ring in other stuff too. I mean, you know, if you want to grab an IPA or a pale ale, um, it's all the same iPad. See, I super appreciate that. Me so, too. There's so many fucking bars and so many other places that are like, oh no, you got to cash out at this place and this place. No, put it all on the same thing. It's all under the same roof. I yeah. like that. Yes, I, I mean, too. <laughs> honestly, and, and that speaks to the element that Joe talked earlier about. This is like technically a trace coffee shop. It mm-hmm. is provided, beans provided by Red Hawk. Okay. I mean, it even says that on the menu, but I think that some of that misappropriation was my fault on the marketing side to not make that more clear that this is a like a trace coffee shop and Joe is a trace employee, but we give a lot of love to Red Hawk for providing those beans. Right on. Um, you know, awesome. it's technically not a Red Hawk uh, kiosk or right. satellite. If you th- if you've ever been to Pigeon Bagel, I think Pigeon is the best similar entity to us. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Red Hawk's a wholesale coffee provider. Anybody who's mm. opening a coffee shop can give Red Hawk a call and, and ask them about their beans. And they're cool people. So yeah. And I, I also think it might be a little bit confusing because I believe they also have their own spaces. Totally. Possibly. Yeah. Like, I think they have one in Sharpsburg by you. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's the main location. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. And then their yeah. first location was in Oakland, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I believe Pigeon has better bagels than you guys. Oh, yeah. yeah they're <laughs> better bagels than most people. Yeah. They're probably, I mean, and, and Gab, who owns Pigeon, is kind of a regular here, which she's is really been cool. here a few times. She's been yeah. here a few times already for coffee and she's awesome. And nice. Uh, nice. yeah, their, their Pigeon, or sorry, their bagel program is excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe their pigeon program's good. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they're hooked up with Mike Tyson. We yeah. don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, what I can say, though, is uh, the Moving Castle is also a good program. It is a good program. Because, I mean, it was set off Mike, possibly, but uh, a smoked logger might be the next Moving Castle, maybe. Hint, hint. Fingers crossed. We'll hint, put them on hint. the spot. <laughs> but <laughs> the pressure is on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the the current one we're drinking though, made with the experimental six thirty hops, 
is uh, it's a really good drinker. It's nice and easy. Thank it you. Go, it goes down simple. It goes down clean. And you can pair it with most food. And, yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, and not only that, I think this is the type of beer of somebody who is not an IPA drinker. This is the type of beer you can give them to kind of nudge them in that direction if they Thanks. want to go that yeah. direction. Yeah, I, I think um, in general, one of the principles of all the beer, I try to tie it together with approachability. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in, in, in my career one of my favorite compliments that i give from time to time people is like i usually don't like this yeah normally i don't like ipas but i can drink this and uh well i can tell you there's a time and a place for things that are for people who have built a palate to appreciate them and uh and we'll make those beers too but i think in, in general i like i like approachable beer you can make those after the smoke lager. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> They're really pushing that lager. That black smoke lager. That's, that's right. going to be the most approachable beer I've ever made. Please you, thank you. You've got at least three people I can think of. <laughs> yeah. If you guys come out and buy a third of the batch. We will help you open will the Will you sign up day? to do that? Then I'll make it. It's I'll, like. The two of us and then Brian Reed will probably come down as well. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe like four or five breweries. Honestly, right. if any brewery in the city made a black smoke lager, I think every brewer in Pittsburgh would show up yeah. just to try mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Andy from Hitchhiker, yeah. uh, Adam from Four Points would be down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't 11th Hour do a black smoke lager? Did they? I, I don't know. know. Because like they, they posted about it and the only comments were the other brewers. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I mean. I actually didn't know that, but it was a funny moment because it was early in my like beer sort of, I guess, call it career. But I was like, oh, that's neat. Like, it's not an IPA, but that's that's something different. And then it was like all the brewers were like, holy mother of God. Like, (laughs) yeah, 11th hour was slammed with industry people. I think think I just saw the same kind of thing recently. Helltown, I think, put out just a regular smoke lager. I can't fucking find it in the stores. God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow, that was a nice pull. Yeah. You pulled that back nicely. There you go. I don't want to go full angry, but that would be cool though if we if we did that tag. I, and I'm just saying that as like I would like to. Marketing says we should do a smoke lager. Find <laughs> a way to. Ooh, you you have proof sketch. that marketing wants that. You yeah. have proof now. And it would be an interesting We're challenge marketing. for me to market that to see yeah. if I could open it up and get that compliment. Of, you know, I don't normally drink black smoke lagers. However, oh. <laughs> could you name one? However, could I name one? Yeah, yeah. that would. Um, there was. I don't know even if like Schlenkerla makes a like a black. I think the darkest one is the Urbach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got nothing. Damn. So that does bring up an, another, and, and I want to bring this up real quick before we go to break. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, one of the things with brewers is they'll brew all these fantastic, ridiculous beers, but whenever they're done brewing, they'll crack open a hams on the coffee side. Do you crack open a Starbucks? Is yeah. You're <laughs> Do you just brew a, a Maxwell house and just say, screw the world? No, in fact, I've ruined my palate for life. I, I I cannot go back to that sort of stuff. It's just, it's it has absolutely nothing of what I'm looking for. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, if I'm on a road trip and I'm in the middle of Kansas and it's midnight and I need a cup of coffee, <laughs> I'll stop at a convenience store and throw some like French vanilla creamer in there. Like, 
and deal I, with it. I understand the appeal. It's tasty, but to me, it's not coffee. I just had to clear the egg because honestly, that question has been nagging at me for the last 20 <laughs> well, minutes. To, to be honest with you, um, in a weird twist of fate sort of way, I had a really similar approach to beer, like where I spend so much time in the morning. I have my job and my career for the last decade thinking so critically about the thing I'm drinking all day in the morning and into the afternoon that when I go home and I crack open a beer, yeah, I would just crack open a hams and and enjoy it. Um, But just working here for the couple of weeks, like I've started, I've gotten back into opening my mind and thinking more critically about beer and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Right on, right on. Cool, cool. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back segment three. And as always, we have something fun planned, a little bit of a game. And we will be right back. You know what pairs nicely with a good beer? A bad movie. And that's exactly what we do at Hops and Box Office Flops, the Internet's premier podcast dedicated to reviewing bad movies and mostly good beers. So join us on a hop-fueled excursion through some of Hollywood's biggest bombs. We've covered everything from the fungus-laden streets of Dino Hatton with the Super Mario Brothers to the oddly horny felines of Cats 2019. You can find our show on any of your finest podcast providers. And follow us on social media at Hops and B.O. Flops. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll drink your face off. It's episode 211 of the Hop Nation USA podcast, and we're still down at Trace Brewing in the heart of Bloomfield. Yes, they have not kicked us out. Thank the good Lord above for that. Why would they? You say that a lot, and they never would. Listen, we haven't broke anything in between the segments. I have low self-esteem. I understand. We've met before, right? (laughs) Win it! (laughs) Oh, okay. I'm going to shake it out of you! Oh, okay. (laughs) But, uh... I love me some me. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Oh, okay. We're still talking to Trace. We're joined by Adam, Joe, and Zach for this segment because we're going to play a little game. But first, we're going to talk about the third Trace beer we're drinking. And Zach, why don't you introduce it? This beer is a pale German lager. I elected to just name it Keller beer because it's an unfiltered lager. So essentially what Keller beer is historically in lager brewing, you have your primary fermentation tank where you ferment the beer. And then you have a lagering tank, which is where you essentially age and condition the beer and then you would then move it on to a separate tank where you would either serve it or out of or package it out of. And so Keller beer would be when you served beer from the second tank, the lagering tank, before it was technically finished. Usually they're, they're horizontal, long tanks. The purpose of that tank is to allow for the flavor to mature and also for natural clarification where yeast and any sediment that's still in the beer will settle to the bottom of a horizontal tank and you'll end up with a brilliant, clear, finished beer. You know, the brewers and people that would maybe be around the brewery would would taste the beer consistently as it was aging. And so that became its own style. We are essentially a small pub brewery in format. And so I do not have lagering tanks. I don't have necessarily the time afforded to me to be able to 
let a beer sit and, and mature in a tank for a month or two that it would take to do it properly. And so, you know, I still want to make lagers. I still want to put on a variety of beers. And then in the end, when it came around to releasing it, I said, let's just call it Keller beer. And then it'll be kind of a conversation about the evolution of the beer. And we're drinking it out of a can right now, but if you were to open this can and kind of carefully decant it into a glass, it would actually be pretty clear at this point. But when we packaged it, it still had a bit of a natural haze to it, which would be appropriate to style for a Keller beer. So what I like about this stylistically is that when the beer is first put on for service, it has a certain appearance and flavor and texture to it. And then as we're serving it, it essentially goes through the lagering process. And by the end, you end up with a brilliantly clear finished lager. And so the people that come in here and, and drink it over the course of time can kind of experience what it would be like if you were to be working on a beer like this and see it go through the maturation process that would normally happen in the back of the brewery in a lagering tank. And when we make this beer, the idea is that, first of all, it has to just taste good and be light and refreshing and have good malt flavor and nice noble hop character. But I like the idea that people that are invested in beer and want to know, well, what does that mean? What is Keller beer? I mean, Keller is the German word for cellar. So you have cellar beer. Before refrigeration, they would have put a lagering tank underground in a cellar because it was naturally cooler down there and that helped the maturation of the beer. And so it's kind of a nod to German lager brewers and, and really a lot of classic European breweries. It's kind of my <laughs> nod to people that originated these styles is to respect it and try to do to be a steward of the history and the style of, of what it is. Technically, it's a 5.2% beer. Um, I used uh, Tettenanger and Spalter Select, which are just um, noble German hops. And I love making beers like this. I think it's, it's nice to have an opportunity to, we, we committed to the idea early on that we we're gonna make a lot of styles of beer. It wasn't just gonna be six IPAs in one beer that was something else, what like the token other beer. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and not that there's anything wrong with doing that as a brewery, but we wanted to be accessible to more than just craft beer fans. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice when we see older folks from the neighborhood come in and there's a beer like this Keller beer on and they don't necessarily know what that is on the on first glance. But then, you know, we have excellent front of house staff and they're able to relate it to them. And then they're like, oh, this is I, I can relate to this. I know what this is. Yeah. Even even still, like, I mean, this is kind of an older style and it's not something you see very often. So yeah. even quote unquote craft beer fans who spend a lot of their time drinking hazy IPAs and the fruited sours of the day, they still might not know what this style is all about. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. And Great. I mean, it comes down to it's it's beer history. I mean... It's, it's nice to find opportunities to tie it all together and, and say, here's a beer that somebody that wanders into here from the neighborhood 
that is used to drinking Iron City would be happy with. Mm -hmm. Right. But also somebody that, you know, it maybe is getting into craft beer and kind of exploring out of what they what initially drew them to it. It's nice to be able to offer that path deeper into beer. Yeah. And, and, and like you were just saying, like you have people out there who are really into Iron City and they would be into this beer. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. They, is, just, they just don't know it that yet because they're off put by the name Keller Beer. You, they just have to give that extra second yes. to taste it. And then they go, oh, it's just a different name for the thing I already love. Right. This is another <laughs> weapon in the arsenal of inclusion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's what our front of house does so well. Yeah. Yeah. You like know, Zach they, was saying the bartenders know to and, guide folks. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the that's real always, lunch bucket types. Bring them in. Give them this beer. And yeah. that's always great having somebody who can explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like you get this beer. Oh, this is going to be like, you know, Iron City. You get, you know, the, the amber ale from Abjuration. This is going to be like Yingling. Don't yeah. hurt yourself too much. Don't strain your brain trying to think overthink this. Right. It'll it's be just, okay. It's a different name for the thing you love. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I know that there's other brewers in Pittsburgh that would agree in saying that there's the hope that, you know, Hazy IPA has been dominant for a while and you have a lot of people that came to beer because of it. But the hope is that those people will then continue on and find classic styles of beer and that we can kind of grow the industry in diversity of styles D- diversity in education is what it, it boils down to yeah like yeah mm-hmm. just giving everybody options but then teaching them what the options are but wait there's more but wait you don't have to always just drink this thing right just check yeah. this thing out it has this, a different <laughs> this flavor that you like is present in other things and it doesn't have to be yeah you can venture out and find more and to me, that another step beyond that would be the the history piece of it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an appealing part of this beer because if you're a lager drinker and someone hands you something that's not crystal clear, you might be thinking like, "Well, what is this?" But actually, it is to style, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, this and is, it, and it will actually. You can watch it change. Yeah, if you come to the tap room enough, or if you just take some cans home, let it sit. This is one hundred percent. The type of beer that uh, I would hand to my dad. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Here, try this. You'll like it. Yeah, this is for any kind of classic drinker. Yes. And, like, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of lagers, but I, I'm into oh, it, I too. Am. I know oh, you I are. Am. I know you are. But I'm into it, too. It's mm-hmm. it's very flavorful, and I guess it, it's not as uh, crackery. Yes. Which, that's generally kind of the limit for what I'd don't love right. about pilsners mm-hmm. and lager beers i i like the more darker lagers like doppelbox czech styles things like that right so, schwarz beers smoked <laughs> lagers smoked lagers but that's yeah. smoked lagers. i like smoked <laughs> i like smoked anything though yes. so but. so i do have to give one final shout out before we move on to adam uh he poured out his beer from the can into his glass absolutely perfectly 100 <laughs> percent picture perfect if you put that on Instagram, 10,000 likes in 15 minutes. <laughs> that was impressive. I was just chilling, yeah, while uh, Zach was walking through the actual beer. I, I feel like I'm just over here just vibing. That was some Tony Hawk shit. Hey, Thank you. Just so you know. <laughs> you, did, you did it well. You got some nice lacing on the glass. Everything went well for you. I mean, he, he poured it up and he had the head right just <laughs> a little bit above the top of the glass. 
I mean, Thank you. I, I also, I work in the front of house too, and I've gotten better at it. But I think that uh, one of the funny things about working here is, uh, as far as I know, I'm the youngest person on the entire team. I'm 34. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I haven't had as much um, longevity in drinking beer and new styles <laughs> and things like that. You so don't I, have the history. Uh -huh. No, uh -huh. I, I'm used to just kind of, you know, whatever's put in front of me, it goes in me and it goes through me yeah. and um, I'm quite small. And like, so like some of these loggers and stuff is pretty neat to like get to try and drink. And I was telling Zach that like, there are like two or three or four brands that we've done here over the course of these last seven, eight months that have been in and out of me more than any other beer I've drank. But honestly, Zach, the Keller beer, the one that we're talking about right now, um, Dude, there, there's a good shot that this is the uh, <laughs> most of our beer that, that yeah. I've ever drank. Yeah. Um, ever. Uh, maybe more than uh, Flim Flam. It's up there for me, too. Yeah, right on. It, it's right a great on. beer. It's a staff favorite. And if folks who are listening are into lagers or like clear styles, definitely give our color beer a try. And if you don't make it in this or next week, just give us some time because it's coming back. Right. I mean, Zach, Zach already said that it's it's yeah. back on the it's back in the fermenter, right? Yeah, it's, uh, there's another batch of it going right now. Definitely, nice. definitely set, sounds like a repeat. Yeah, set yeah, that set uh, that hook. Bring them back in. <laughs> it's one that we're proud yeah. to bring back. And when I think about like our marketing and our social, and we brought back Love Is the Way, we brought back Tessellated, and we br and we're gonna we're mm -hmm. bringing back you know Keller Beer. There are a few brands that we're bringing back and we're resurrecting. And some of the folks who live on this block nearby have been following us religiously since the start. There's a guy named Kyle who uh, every week when we post on social media, he's the first like and the first comment <laughs> yes. on every post. Yes. And well, the, Kyle, if you're listening, man, like Keller Beer's coming back, bro. Thanks like, solid engagement. <laughs> I bet he is listening if he has that kind of solid repeat. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> he's had, I think, all of our beers that we've ever produced. And uh, <laughs> when we posted about Love is the Way coming back, Tesselated coming back, I'm comfortable telling Kyle, hey, dog, like, Kelly Beer's coming back. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, I'm, excellent. I'm, I'm nice willing Kyle. to bet Kyle has never listened to the show until today. Yeah. So, Kyle, welcome to the Hop Nation <laughs> USA podcast. No, it's cool that, like, some of these loyalists and, like, if you, if you want to call it, like, a brand advocate or, like, in marketing terms, but, like, a very loyal fan. Some of these mm -hmm. folks have actually, they remember all these. So, like, mm -hmm. earlier today, we released Moving Castle, the second beer on tonight's show. And when Moving Castle 2 dropped and I posted about it, a lot of folks who had Moving Castle 1 were like, oh, dope. Like, I remember that. Yeah. Like, yeah. From, it was in March of yeah. this year. Thanks. So they get to come back and try version 2. And then whenever Zach does version 3, they'll be back yeah. for that too. Yeah. Right on. Okay. It is time for a game. Yes, it, it is. It is time for a game. So we have to do some pair-ups here. This is a team sport. We're going to call this Trace Fight. Sure. This is what we're going to call it. Trace competition. Trace competition between <laughs> friends. We are going to have a fight between beer and coffee. <laughs> oh, wow. I have already set the teams. It is going to be Zach and Steve versus Joe and Adam. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yes. Okay. I need both Joe and Zach. You are going to answer the first question. Whoever answers this question closer without going over, we're going to bleed in the prices right a little bit, gets to go first. I'm sorry, Adam. I have to tell you this right now. Uh, you should totally get this answer. I mean, you're from Ohio. You, you're a Mac man. You should know this answer. Well, it's math. But this is not for me, right? It's not nope. for you. <laughs> you're no. not getting it, but you should no. know it. Just <laughs> right. mute myself. 
Take it away, Joe. That's right. Okay. This is a real easy one. When did Miami of Ohio change their mascot name to the Red Hawks? I know literally nothing about football and colleges, but 2005? That is not right. However, Zach, can you get closer? Uh, I also have no idea what you're talking about, so I'm going to say 1997. I shit. think I know. Shit, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> that was 100% correct. I oh, shit, he got it. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Wow. I had no idea. I seriously yeah. have no idea. Oh, he, wow. He nailed it. Yeah. Dude, Zach got it? <laughs> he nailed it. <laughs> well, I shit. So, if you'll excuse us, we're going to give uh, 10 seconds of in-house high-fiving. <laughs> I, I really don't. I still don't know what you're talking about. I guessed a year that was earlier than the year that Joe guessed. How did you, you know got that? it, though? Yeah. I should probably go buy a scratch ticket when we're done here. I, I thought it was 1971. And, nope. and again, like I, I competed in the MAC. I went to college on a track scholarship, and we ran You should have Miami. known. Yeah. Dude, Spice Zach. Girls were out, man. Shout out to Zach. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nailed it. I mean, Good sometimes Lord. you get lucky, I guess. All right. So, beer team is up first. <laughs> Zach and Steve, are you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Your first question is, and this is a multiple choice question. Okay. You can answer this question with no choices given to get two points. If you don't know what the answer is and you need a multiple choice, probably center, not going to know, but all right. You'd be surprised with who you're playing with. Here we go. But if you are given a set of multiple choices and you answer it, you get one point. Okay. Okay. Steven Zach, are you ready? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Matt Winchester, better known as the Beer City Bruiser, performs with what wrestling promotion? Um, a couple, but I believe ROH is one of them. And two points to Team Beer. <laughs> <laughs> that was, even know the genre. Damn. That was a carry. Although, uh, shout out to Shaggy, uh, one of our front of house staff. <laughs> is a big wrestling fan. So, right on. Yeah. Steve, I put that one in for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know he wrestles for wrestling Ring of culture. Honor. He does. <laughs> yes. He that was actually incredible how fast Steve was like, oh, yeah, like, no doubt. I got you. Oh, I know it's Ring of Honor, but I think he's also wrestled for GWC and a couple others. But yeah, I, you, you think, you know. <laughs> yeah. It seems like you know. All if right. you speak in acronyms, then you already are like <laughs> light years ahead of us. <laughs> All right, Team Beer, are you ready for question two? Oh, that- it's still beer. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's oh, yeah. still Steven. Oh, oh yeah. we're, we're going five straight. Cool. Five straight for Team Beer. Five straight. Yeah. Welcome to the gauntlet. Oh, my. All right, question two. The American Wolfhouse family in 2006's Beer Fest lived in what state? Would you like your multiple choices? You said the American Wolf House? Family. Yes. Family. Mm-hmm. So, so like the main characters of the movie, what state did they live in? Yes. Oh. Would you like your multiple choices? Personally, I yes. I don't know. He might know. I'm going to say yes, but I know the two states are also just going to be in the multiple choice. So, oh, yeah. So, two choices. All right. Your choices are Ohio, Kentucky, no. No. Wisconsin, or Colorado. Oh, it's Wisconsin. Are you conferring with your teammate? I mean, I, I the first two sounded wrong. So he seems confident. I'll go with it. 
That is incorrect. It's not. It is actually Colorado. Colorado. Oh fuck. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought so. I thought the two choices were Wisconsin and Minnesota. Nope. Damn. Sorry, dude. Damn it. That's what I had Damn. it narrowed down to. Sorry, dude. I mean, fair play. I, I've seen that film several times. It's been a while. You're gonna have to watch it again. I know. I've tried to watch it again, but every time I suggest it, my wife was like, nah. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. that one. <laughs> All right. Question three. The term coal ship was once trademarked by an American brewery. What brewery was it? Once trademarked. Oh, man. I do not know. Okay. <laughs> once. Yeah, I, I'll go for the multiple choice. Here Your too. options are. Allegash, Stone, Great Lakes, or Brooklyn? I would have to go with Allegash. Can you confer with your teammate? Those, but uh, I'll go. I'll go with that. The only oh, one I would say it's not is Brooklyn. So, like, if there's no beer on my mind that I can think this of, could be like a deep trivia question. I'm on the the re- It was Allegash, Brooklyn. What were the other two? Your options are Allegash, Stone, Great Lakes, or Brooklyn. To my knowledge, the only Allagash has actually made a cool ship beer. But I feel like they would have been first to make a cool ship beer. I think they were the first in the States, yeah. So to, to like try it. So they would have tried to trademark that. That would be my guess. So, yeah, the only other one I would think would be Stone, just because they're dickheaded enough to <laughs> trademark stuff. But <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Allagash. Allagash? Yeah. Is that the answer? That would be, um, I guess. And that is... Correct. All right. Correct. Yeah. They tried to try out. They actually trademarked it for a bit, and then they released the trademark because they realized it was better for the craft beer community. Yeah, yeah. that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, drink Allagash White once you're done drinking your Trace. Hooray! Because it's delicious. <laughs> Question four. Are you ready? Okay. A BAC over 0.40 is considered a near lethal level. How many standard drinks would need to be consumed to reach that level. Uh, now, when I say a standard drink, right. that is a 12-ounce, 5% beer, mm-hmm. a glass yeah. of wine, mm-hmm. or a single shot. Options are available. My, my server certification days, it's been like eight years since I did that. Options are available. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Steve, do you have a... Do, I, I, I mean, don't have a math guess, no. Okay. Would you like your options? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Your options are 15 drinks, 20 drinks, 25 drinks, or 40 drinks. This is in one hour. Dude, to if get- you could drink 40 drinks in an hour, you're a better man than <laughs> I. Drink to get to that, to get to that point, yes. Yeah. I feel like it's got to be 20 or 25. Your options are 15, 20, 25, or 40. Three seconds. For 0. 0.4? To 0. 0.4. 0.40. I cannot imagine a person being awake <laughs> to make it past point two, frankly. <laughs> Famous, famously, Hank the Dwarf from the Howard Stern show <laughs> blew, I believe, a point four three. Deep cut there. I yeah, like yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's got to be 20 or 25. I, I don't yeah, know which one, I, so Zach picked uh, 20 or 25. 20 or 25 drinks? Mm-hmm. Jesus. I'm going to say No, Jesus 25. could drink more than that. <laughs> I'm going to guess 25. And that is 100% correct. 
Correct. Hey, yeah, you. we did it. Nicely done. You are up to four points. Are you ready for question number five? Yeah. 25 yeah. drinks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. In Russian Rivers, Pliny the Younger online sale in early 2021, the allotment sold out in how many minutes? Oh. Options are available. Yeah. I, mean, I have no idea. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a lot. Your options are five. 15, 30, or 45, which all of those numbers are ludicrous. I It's either 5 or 15 because it was something stupid that they just disappeared. <laughs> they're all stupid numbers. I know they're all stupid, but those are the two most stupid. <laughs> if it was on the internet, I want to go with the lowest number. A lot of people would have been anticipating that. Want to guess five? I'll go five. Yeah. It's either five or 15. I, That's what I, I narrowed it to, so... Yeah. Five, five is your ultimate response. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, Nicely yeah, done, Team Beer. Five points on five questions. Team Coffee, you got your work cut out for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Joe. All right, throw us on your back, buddy. It's the Joe and Adam show. Ready to bring the ruckus. Question one: This wrestler famously used a cup of coffee creamer in an impromptu promo with Gene Okerlund. Hope I don't let Shaggy down, but I think it was Randy Savage. You know what? I'm going to round up because the actual answer is Macho Man Randy Savage. (laughs) But yes, that is correct for two points. Nicely done. Must give respect across the board and throughout the table for everybody getting the wrestling answer. (laughs) (laughs) Without prompt. Without prompt or assistance. Yeah. When you come to Trace, you're entering the Thunderdome. (laughs) (laughs) Two men under one man lead. All right, coffee. The phrase, coffee is for closers, is from what Alec Baldwin movie? Do you know this or no? No, I don't. So I have a group of friends from Ohio that I ran trap with that love movies. They always say that phrase. And I think, is this multiple choice or no? This is multiple. All these are multiple choice. You have four options available. Cool. Let's listen to them. I All think right, I know the it, movie, but I'm going to let Adam jump in. Go ahead, Adam. Okay. Yeah. Your right. options are The Boss Baby, Glengarry Glen Ross, Hunt for the Red October, or Beetlejuice. Those were none of the four that I had in mind. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> um, Do you know how badly that I just... I can answer the goddamn screenwriter. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. <laughs> I, Wait, I, Joe, do you know the answer? No, I don't. Damn. Oh, but if I was going to guess, I'd say it was uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. That's kind of what yeah. I was leaning towards, uh, or Beetlejuice, yeah. but I'm trying to think. No, it's, it's like definitely not Beetlejuice. Word. <laughs> I'd like to defer to Joe. Glengarry Glen Ross is your final, yeah. I'm sorry, ultimate response. And that is correct. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Written by David Mamet, starring John Lemon. Dude, I thought that. Coffee, and Al Pacino. I thought Coffee was. What did what was Ad, Adam, and Ed Harris. Was. I thought the answer was Jerry Maguire. <laughs> I thought that was the <laughs> I'm so thankful that Joe is on my team. Thank you, Joe. I, I would have got that wrong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I, mean, th- I guess 1997. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Team Coffee, are you ready for question number two? Three. Yeah. Yep. All right. How did the term Cup of Joe originate? You have options you know, available. No, you you think I would have looked this up once or twice, but I have not. Go learn today. 
Wait. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I was, oh, I could guess. There are options available. Wait, is it? If I was going to guess, like, I have a logic-based guess, but I kind of want to hear the options. I mean, I think we need to, unless Joe knows, I think we need uh, to. I'm going to guess this has to do with American soldiers during war, the World Wars not being able to drink espresso. Okay. Um, but I kind of want to hear the options. So let's okay. hear the options. All right. Your options are. An Americanized version of Cup of Java, Jojo, an, an African term for bean, or Joe Folgers, a prominent coffee purveyor, or D, a Navy admiral which banned alcohol on all Navy ships. What was that first option? Your first option was an Americanized version of Cup of Java. Yeah, I'm going to take that one. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking... Um, I think that I'm going to um, hop on the Joe train and say it was a deviation from cup, cup of Java. So I, I agree with Joe. Your answer is an Americanized version of Cup of Java. That is 100% wrong. <laughs> the actual answer is D, a Navy admiral who banned alcohol on Navy ships. Shit. Right? I didn't know that either. So no points on that one. Are you ready for question four? Yeah. All right. Question four. What is considered a lethal dose of caffeine in humans? Bit of a theme. Pretty sure a lethal dose would be like your heart's going to explode, right? Oh, yeah. It's like mm -hmm. an insane amount of caffeine. It has to be a lot. Because <laughs> like the IOC, which uh, it regulates the Olympics, limits all athletes to five cups of coffee before like a track race. I know because I competed in track. So like we would drink a lot wow, of coffee. Dude, I have that in like 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's that's a Tuesday. Very high tolerance. I mean, if I drink five cups of coffee and then you're like, I, 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 yeah, I could not compete in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, you need like a pot. Um, your options are available. Yeah. Let's take the options. Your options are one gram, five grams, 10 grams or 20 grams. A lethal dose? A lethal dose. Ain't coming back from it. Oh, shit. I'm going to let Joe answer this because if it's in grams, then we were talking weight. Yo, yeah. So, like, although dude, it is metric, so you could kind of. Weight versus volume. We talked about that. <laughs> it's 20 grams a lot. Dude, there's like 90 milligrams in a single cup. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's um, a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. Confirmed. <laughs> Would it kill me? <laughs> Far less people in history have died of caffeine overdose than of alcohol overdose. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. I have no idea. I would probably guess 20. Adam, I need confirmation. <clears throat> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is 20 grams? Yeah. That yeah, is not the awesome. right answer. It is actually 10 grams. Oh, 10 man. grams. I don't know. A bunch? Do the math, man. That's, that's 100 cups. That's like 100 cups of coffee. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Damn. I was thinking about times when I drank a lot of beer. And like, you know, I 
eclipse like the 20 mark and be like, oh, damn, I'm pretty ripped. It's a lot of beer. Could you yeah. imagine 100 cups of coffee? Hold on. You can say sentences after 20 beers? Well, it was just yeah. like traveling like music festivals. Like, <laughs> you, you say know. sentences after 20 cups of coffee? <laughs> yeah. Think about 20 cups of coffee, man. You're out of your mind. Like, Team Coffee, are you ready for your final question? Yeah, I guess. Your final question is... The first webcam on the web was of a coffee machine in the computer lab of what university? Options are available. Mm, yeah, but if we take them, you only get one point. Yeah, and Wait. we're two behind. Where did the who, where did like the internet start? Start. I don't know, man. Yeah. All right, we might need to hear these. No, but but if we hear them, we lose. Like, you don't know that. Your best chance. Yeah, we. Yeah. I mean, we could all. I mean, play this, on the this local. is the last question, right? This play. is this is the last question for us, right? I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I think we got a guess on this one, Adam. It's got to be like something in or around Seattle, Washington. It has to be. Think about coffee and the. Do internet. you think you know like the irony in this is. Like these people were way smarter than the people who were like brewing this coffee for a living. You're <laughs> assuming it was good coffee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because like you think about Seattle, Microsoft, Washington, coffee, that whole vibe. I don't know. Like what are tech schools in Seattle? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like part of my mind is going towards the local play with the fact that we have a place like Carnegie Mellon in town that does technology. Uh, However, right. the mm. first ever webcam, I, 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 I don't know. Could it be like a military academy? Could it be like the fucking Naval Academy or the Air Force or the Army? You know what I mean? Like with like the fact that like, but like, it's, it's the question was phrased around webcam. The first webcam, webcam? Web, yeah. webcammed coffee. Could it be an MIT? Who knows? Yeah, whom knows? <laughs> Listen, you. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I see where your point is, Jim. Yeah. To just guess. Go ahead. Oh, since this dude over here just said MIT. But he's on Team Beer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> he could be undermining you. He works in mysterious ways. I've worked with him before. Yeah, so I, I'm just going to guess, and I, I'm like, like, fuck it, Harvard. <laughs> Adam, do you agree with the YOLO? The YOLO three-pointer of I would also Harvard. like to say that none of these questions have had anything to do with preparing coffee professionally. For <laughs> and the quality of said coffee. Like Harvard. Yeah. Adam, do you agree? Every morning I wake up, I shit the bed, and then I tweet about it. And I've made a career on that. So I'm going to say I'm just going to listen and let you lead the way because I, I truly don't know. So yes. <laughs> yes. His answer is yes. I'm sorry, but that is incorrect. The answer is actually Cambridge or Cambridge if you're from that Wait. region. Harvard? No, Cambridge. No, Cambridge, as in the UK. There you go. Oh, oh. Yeah. Cambridge. Cambridge. Not America. He lived in Cambridge for a bit. Oh, yeah. Not uh, Cambridge, Mass. No, no, Cambridge, no, 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 no. Oh, my shit. Yeah. Yes. So it's funny that you guys uh, talked about MIT and Carnegie Mellon because those were both options. Yeah. Oh, along with Stanford. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Cambridge in the UK. Yeah. So, and the reason behind that is because the coffee pot kept getting emptied way too fast. 
So all the programmers and engineers kept watching it to see if there was actually coffee in the pot so they could go get it. <laughs> all right. That's why. Ask me questions about extraction percentages. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, it'll be a different end result. <laughs> yeah. Wrong, wrong trivia. That's right. And as a final note, uh, after the coffee machine uh, broke down, it was actually sold on eBay for almost $5,000 by students of Cambridge. Huh. Yes. Wow. Weird. Now, you are ready for the final round, are you not? This is worth triple points. Triple points. All right, I'm ready. This is the finish him in Mortal Kombat. Yes, yes. You are going to pull their spine out. So we are going to start with Team Beer. As of 2018, the latest data that I could find, what country has produced by volume the most amount of beer oh man it's definitely consumption per capita like per person is highest in eastern europe but the volume is going to be different because it's they're smaller countries man that's hard that's a hard question i, I mean steve any thoughts is it not just america you tell me. <laughs> what was it? Is it not just America? Like, did we do we I not mean, produce the most? The most volume yeah. in a given year. Correct. Is it? Is there like a a Budweiser international arm that produces more than America does? So it's probably not as clear as you might assume because. So many European, like German and Czech brands and are imported and exported so many places. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to guess America because of just the sheer size of it. Go for the, the U.S. That would be my guess. I don't know. I go America then. Okay. Hard. All right. That is good to know. Yeah. All right. So Team Coffee, are you ready for your triple point question? I'm ready, yeah. dude. All right. As of 2020, what country has produced the amount, the most amount of coffee beans? Oh, Brazil. Adam, do you agree? Yeah, you should agree. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I would literally never argue with Stoic Joe, but <laughs> the question was just sheer, sheer beans. volume. Like, sheer like we're volume. talking like coffee beans. Correct. We're not talking consumption. We're not Correct. talking per capita. We're yep. just talking beans. Beans. You yeah, think of Brazil? I'd say like it's either Brazil or India. And to my uh, knowledge, the answer would be Brazil. I'm going to agree with Joe on um, Brazil. Can, can I place like a prop bet on the side? Yeah, sure. Vietnam. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, with those answers, Team Beer with the answer of the United States, they are actually the second highest volume for beer. For beer. Number one, China. Yeah. Damn it. Number one was China. Now, to Team Coffee, and we'll address the prop bet first. Yeah. To Steve's prop bet of Vietnam. Vietnam comes in number two. I knew it was close. <laughs> number one with a bullet. Brazil. And with, knew it. with triple points coming in from behind, it is Team Coffee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Dude, I'm telling you, dude. We know our stuff. Yeah. Joe and Adam, 
<laughs> Guess what's going to happen? They're going to run this town by September. <laughs> They're going to run the coffee town. <laughs> yeah, right. At least. <laughs> he brews it and I tweet about it, baby. <laughs> hey, one of you is going to have to grow a giant white beard so you can become mayor in November. Oh, no. Just so you know. <laughs> no, we got a different mayor running. No, oh, I know. Well, you have to replace him. <laughs> no, no, different mayor. Oh, all different one? Yeah, all different one. Yeah, yeah Peduto okay. is not coming back. I know. That's why you got to replace him. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Peduto lost in the primaries. <laughs> yeah. I pay attention to things. All right. I don't necessarily because I don't live in Allegheny <laughs> County. <laughs> I can't believe we came back from behind and yeah. got that. that yeah, that was a pretty easy question in comparison to the other five. See, Joe, you never say never. Yeah. Sheer volume. I, I did not know that Brazil made more of the uh, bean that I love, mm -hmm. which of course is the coffee bean. Of course, um, of course. I'm I got really I got to black beans actually. <laughs> I did get the two number two answers. You did. I love number two. Congratulations <laughs> on all your silver medals! Hooray! <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of silver medals, let's come back. To all the beers that we drank tonight and let's do the podium that's where we rank all the beers we drank tonight bronze silver and gold and of course we'll go to zach last because we're going to make him rank his children mm -hmm. bronze silver and gold they're all the best <laughs> can't do that <laughs> but uh adam would you like to go first yes i and when i say all of these rankings there is not a bad one in the bunch whatsoever uh all of these come down to essentially what style you prefer uh if you like the pale ales over an ipa you're gonna like it more if you like the the uh the lagers over the other two you're gonna like that more uh it all comes down to the style these are all well executed beers bar none but if i have to put them in order i'm gonna have to do it basically in terms of personal preference so i'm gonna make it real quick ipa pale ale lager in that order, bronze, silver, gold. And the reason behind those are quite simple. I'm a lager guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm not an IPA guy. Yeah. So lagers win. Okay. And it's all personal preference. Uh, if you see a beer on the menu, uh, you like that style, come get it. It's going to be good. Yeah, pretty much. That's what I've experienced so far through Trace. Uh, I, the first beer I had from them was the Tessellated Mosaic IPA, and mm -hmm. we all know how much I love Mosaic IPAs. That was a great beer. For tonight, my rankings differ a little bit from Adam because bronze, I'm going to go Keller beer. Boo. Uh, I'm not a big fan of lagers, but this one is really drinkable. It's really easy to get into. Uh, it has a little bit of that biscuity and caramelly flavor to it but it doesn't turn into that stale bread mm -hmm. that you find with some of the lesser lagers in the world silver i'm going to go with the moving castle 2 ipa it's a good dinner beer you can pair it with pretty much whatever you want maybe not so much like dark red meats and game but yeah chicken fish tacos all that kind of stuff goes real well and gold i'm going to go with the pale ale it's, it's got bright, flavorful pininess to it, but it also finishes off dry. It's a nice summer drinker. You can put away a number of them because it's kind of that under 6% uh, mm -hmm. range. Yeah. A really enjoyable beer. Yes. Not a bad one in the bunch. No, not a bad in the bunch. Uh, let's go to AA Adam. Thoughts? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's tough because I work here and I'm on the payroll, but I, I would say uh, bronze would probably be Laser Summer Home. I mean, I fucking love pails, but um, 
going up against the other two tonight, it's it's subjective. Um, Silver would be the uh, the Moving Castle two. It's fucking awesome. Um, I love Moving Castle one, Zach. I, I thought it was one of my top two or three favorite IPAs you've ever done. Um, is excellent, and I would give gold to Keller Beer. I I like lagers. Um, you know, I think about just like my day-to-day drinking habits when I get home from this tonight, when I'm back in Sharpsburg, probably going to crack open an Iron City, just like Joe, and uh, have a nice light lager. <laughs> and uh, it's just like the style that I reach for. But yeah, man, I, it's weird saying that again, because I think of them as my kids, just like they're, they actually are birthed from Zach and they're his kids. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd go Lazy Summer moving castle followed by the uh keller beer and i'll turn it back over to adam we can say that they are your step beers i yeah i mean honestly okay. yeah all right he's he's the uncle jesse to these beers <laughs> when i tweet about them i see them all as equal yeah i like it i like it a lot that's that's what i get paid to do <laughs> and uh zach go ahead and rank your children bronze silver gold wow um <laughs> I mean, all I could do if I'm trying to rank them is rank them as they're drinking right now. Out of the three, I have to pick bronze. It would be the Pale Ale Easy Summer Home. Is It's getting towards the end of the batch, and I still really like drinking it, but not as fresh as the other two. Well, sorry, not as fresh as the other hoppy option here. And it, it's... Not designed to be a beer that blows your mind. It's supposed to be clean and dry and crisp and piney. And it's still all those things. I'm still extremely happy with the way it's drinking right now. But beer ranking is subjective. And I'm the kind of guy that if you asked me what my favorite beer is, I would ask you what style. You know, it's hard for me to rank any beers, even beers that I didn't make. So... Uh, but of the remaining two, I, it's a coin flip to me. I feel the Keller beer, this batch of Keller beer is right down towards the end. And so it's made the full trip from being its original Keller beer form all the way to now it's kind of a mature lager. And I can't say that it's better or worse than, than a, than a, a an IPA that I literally put on tap today. So I, uh, I, I can't rank one of them over the other in terms of quality. They're just, this is who I am. It's an apples to oranges <laughs> comparison. So I, I guess that's what I'll leave you with. Is it? That I, I think that both of them are kind of exhibiting the best version of what the style is supposed to be, or the, like the the lager is in its final form. It's kind of evolved and turned into this extremely clean and crisp version of itself. And there's this whole like story arc of the Keller beer and that's where those those beers are at and then to try to compare that to (laughs) a a hoppy a a hoppy beer that's literally a day old is impossible so (laughs) I tried and I failed (laughs) it it sounds like hoppy beer silver and Keller beer gold I'll buy that. Okay. I, as a brewer, that. maybe. Yeah, I, I'll buy that. I don't know. Keller Beer goes gold because it has history. Yes. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> All 
Uh, with that, let's go to AA Adam and have him tell us everything about, I mean, you are the marketing manager, so why don't you tell us about how everybody can get in contact with Trace, find Trace online, and everything coming up as far as events, anything you want to put out there. Oh, sure, man. Uh, I mean, to be honest, yeah, for folks listening, we're just at Trace Brewing. Uh, that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at T-R-A-C-E Brewing. Um, you know, if you care to find us on the on the internet, uh, Tim Apple, he's got us at uh, TraceBloomfield.com. Um, and to be honest, as far as events, just keep an eye out for Drag Brunch. It's, it's kind of like an every other Sunday affair. Um, if you're looking ahead a little bit and, and folks are listening and you're getting closer out of summer into fall, we are going to throw an Oktoberfest. Zach is throwing some lager and uh, fest beer type styles into the brew schedule. That's going to be September 17, 18, 19, I believe. And that's going to be here at Trace. We're working on getting a permit from the city of Pittsburgh to shut down the street, uh, Main Street, and actually have a full-on street festival. Um, so we'll have Oktoberfest here that weekend. And then honestly, for the more general drinkers who just enjoy beer, um, you know, a lot of you that are listening tonight probably are already aware of things like Beers the Berg and Barrel and Flow. So Beers the Berg, that's going to be out of Cary Furnace. Uh, we'll, we'll be pouring out there. Uh, no doubt. And then um, September uh, 10, 11, that's Barrel and Flow, the Black Owned Beer Festival. We are also pouring at that festival. Zach brewed a beer with two locals in Philadelphia, a Black Owned Brewery. Super excited for that lager. It's a dry hopped lager, right, Zach? Correct. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a dry hopped lager that Zach worked on with two locals that we'll be pouring at Barrel and Flow the weekend of the 10th and 11th in September. And then the weekend after that is our our festival here at Trace in Bloomfield. But honestly, man, yeah, we appreciate the love and support. We appreciate Hop Nation coming out to hang out with us. I mean, it's it's like, you know, I feel very lucky to work in beer and to be part of this scene in this industry. Yeah, and, and if you enjoy beer or not beer, because we do have coffee, as uh, Adam and Steve kind of highlighted tonight, you can visit Joe and Sarah on the coffee side of Trace and, and have a cup of coffee or a latte and just kind of vibe out and chill with us throughout the day. One of the things we're working on that's coming down the pipeline will be to open up coffee service throughout the whole day. It's something that is in Dave's vision. Dave is our owner. Dave kind of concepted that as an all-day affair with both beverages. Realistically, in practice right now, we're coffee, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., beer, noon to close. You can expect to see before the end of the year coffee service to sort of overlap the beer service hours to be all day. It's going to take some time to cross-train the staff to get to that point. Uh, Joe is so good at what he does, but he definitely needs time off as well. So we're not going to overextend him like that. And then we have some new fun uh, merch coming as well. Koozies, tank tops, t-shirts, hats. Uh, we're working with Revival in Lawrenceville and uh, Commonwealth Press here in Bloomfield on a couple of new merch items that are going to hit the hit the shelves probably in the next month. Uh, it's a little bit of a supply chain delay just COVID related shit, but, um, and really everything that Zach's working on, on the uh, production side, that's going to be both packaged and for taproom service. So thanks for hanging awesome. out with us, man. Dude, yeah. We're, we yeah. are so glad you were, you guys were on the show. This is a blast. Yeah. Thanks for having us. And especially thanks, thanks. to Adam, Zach and Joe for coming on to the show. Thank you. Well. Yeah. And, and you can us. thank us by having a smoked lager. <laughs> hint, hint. A black smoked lager. Yeah. Black smoked Dude, Zach, you got it. You got to do it. I mean, eventually, even if it's not like today or tomorrow or next week, 
<laughs> a 12% black smoke lager. Yeah. Why not? Go on. Why not? <laughs> go go all in. Yeah. What the hell? And still only have like three people come buy it. <laughs> yeah. Like at some point there's a threshold. Like if nobody's buying black smoke lager, but you still <laughs> keep going. <laughs> the happiest three beers. <laughs> right. <laughs> You get two podcast hosts, a bunch of brewers, and then like one old guy yeah. <laughs> who knows well, what's up. And the funniest part is it would be because of the longevity of it not selling, it would just become our house beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. It would yeah. be a black smoked lager. Yeah, it could just sit and then a year later it'll be super mellow and people will be into it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But uh, with that, if you want to find us on social media, all you have to do is search Hop Nation USA and that'll get you to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to listen to brand new episodes of Hop Nation USA podcast every Friday, as you should, then search Hop Nation USA on your favorite podcatcher like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Player FM, anything that starts in pod and ends in cast. We're on those platforms. And if you're on any of those platforms, leave a five-star review because... We are six hints about Trace making a smoked lager beer. Hint, hint. <laughs> but they only let us use five. And that's a bigger crime than me having to wait probably three or four months for that beer to actually exist. <laughs> so, with at that, least. At least. Conservatively. Conservatively. <laughs> Coming 2022. Fingers crossed for an October, but we'll see. <laughs> With that, though, yeah, again, thanks to Adam, Zach, and Joe for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for sharing your space with us. Yes, this was and an absolute blast. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. We'll, yeah, we'll be back just as just regular ass drinkers. And hopefully next time we have Double A Adam on, he'll still be at this job. Yes, he will. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hopped on a lot, but thank you for having me on in three different roles. Oh, yes. yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's, I plan to. You know, kind of stay parked here. It's yeah. a fun journey for the listeners. It is. It is. <laughs> that is kind of wild. Yeah. Don't forget to punch your card after the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with that, though, we'll see you next week. We've got another brewery planned. We'll show up at them and we'll interview them and have fun and tune in next week. Yes. As our Spicy Boy Summer 2021 Revenge Tour continues. We'll see you next week. Bye. Mm. Thanks, guys. Hell yeah, I love the end.